Welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast. This is Tasha. And Mandy. And Kitri. And we left you with a cliffhanger last week as we are talking about the original Queen Esther. And if you didn't join us last week, we kind of recapped the first half of the book and we left at a point where it was either she was going to live or she was going to die. So, or die and die. I or mean, die and die. I mean, or, or, or live too. But, but like, she was like, well, if I don't do anything, I'll die. And if I do do something, I might die. So right. I might die either way. But yep. Yep. And you know what was interesting is that, you know, I was laying in bed that night after we finished that podcast and I was like thinking about just her putting myself in her shoes and I thought, well, how good is our Lord that, I mean, she had to fear her king, her husband, all of that. But we are so blessed that we never have to fear our king and kings and that he is always approachable. She feared mm-hmm. for her life to even approach her king and husband. And mm-hmm. and we're just we're just uh got the cream of the crop with, with our God, I think. Because oh, man, sure. he's absolutely approachable and yeah. what a good thing. And I think that's what she ultimately realized and um I don't know. It just, it kind of mm. just made an impact on me. Yeah. Thinking that kind of humbled me a little bit that we, we have such a gracious God. Yeah. And like King Ajisveris. Ajisveris. Practiced it. <laughs> nice. I'm still going to call him Xerxes because I just think of like the movie 300. Yeah. Because I'm a nerd, but I'm just still going to call him King Xerxes because it's easier. But was that he, the same Xerxes? That wasn't the same Xerxes. That was like no, the, diff- uh, yeah, different one, but, further down. but it was a, it was, I think like during like some of his like, Greek, Greekin, Greek, Grecian, <laughs> Grecian, <laughs> and now everyone knows that I smart my laugh. Grecian takeover. It was one minute. <laughs> one minute in, yeah. It's you know, Kitri is gonna struggle today, guys. We're just, but you know what? It's fine. Anyways, but um, King Xerxes was just so. Um, <laughs> she she flustered herself. What's the word? Um, not, uh, it's, he's so back and forth. I don't know what word it is, but, um, that, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I had to pause it just to think of my word unpredictable and God is not unpredictable. We always like know that he can be the same thing. If it took me that long to get a word out, I <laughs> you said you said King Ahasuerus perfectly, and then you couldn't come up with the word. You no, know, I think I was just so surprised at myself. <laughs> I was like, look at me go, and then my brain is like, and you're gonna forget all the other words in the English dic- dictionary. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. We will officially start this podcast we will, in, we will, in we will. one minute, probably. But yeah. <laughs> so, so yep. to recap <laughs> just a little bit, and thank goodness I have my notes because um, I can't think on my own right now. So, um, we left you guys off with King, King Esther, Queen Esther, but um, just to kind of recap, if you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to the first episode, but if not, we're here and we're just going to make it easy for you. So, um, in around 486 or 45, Xerxes becomes king, and around 483, King Xerxes has his six-month-long war fest, you know, where um, everyone is drinking and it's just, you know, fun, and that's where, like, he summons Vashti, and then she denies him, and then he banishes her, and then um, right after he tries to take over Greece and he fails mm-hmm. um, and then um, around 479 or 478 Esther is chosen queen and did you guys know she was around 14 years old when she was chosen queen it would make sense she was around 14 mm-hmm. years old and they 
they think that Xerxes was either 30 or 33. I, I read different sources on that, but he was there. But that was, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening is like, that's disgusting. That was so very normal back then. Yeah. Um, that, uh, like, marrying age for a girl was somewhere between 12 to 15, 16 years old back daughter. then. That's your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. Um, so she... Um, was very, very young. Um, and then Haman was, was reported, promoted very shortly after, a few years later. And then around um, couple, two years later, in 473, the destruction of the Jews were planned, and Esther was made known of the plot. Um, and then that's when she asked the Jews to fast for three days. And around this time, she's 19 or 20 years old mm-hmm. when she is being faced with the destruction of her people. And I'm, I was just trying to think of like how, what... I was doing it 19 or 20 and it was not saving an entire people from their, um, from their deaths. Um, and it wasn't just, um, Susa, it was 127 provinces later on. We'll see in Esther, I think eight or nine, where it talks about how many provinces and it reached all the way from Susa to like India. I mean, it was a Mm -hmm. humongous span. And so it wasn't just the people in this, like one particular Persian culture. It was, it spanned all all across so it was <clears throat> a very very big deal and so then we we left you guys as she's walking up probably to some great big door great big you know marble entrance um fearing for her life probably shaking like crazy i mean <clears throat> i would you know to go before the king unsummoned which um meant death unless the king um you know gave his golden mm-hmm. scepter in in approval and that's kind of where we left off. So, and I got curious um, because we had discussed a lot beforehand about how the how God's name was not mentioned into the uh, the text in Esther, and so I got to looking, and so the Septuagint, which is like the old Hebrew, um, ver- like it's the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, the yes. Old Testament, the first five. Yep, the first <clears throat> world. Yep, thank you. Thank um, you. so it actually has more documentation mm-hmm. about Esther, and there's actually prayers from Mordecai and Esther in it, and Ooh, they cool. do mention God in that and wow. stuff, and so it's like prayers before they go. But another thing that's in that that's not in the biblical that we know that I thought was like crazy and mm-hmm. just talking about how sovereign the Lord is, mm. is that, so here's Esther and this is where we left off and she's, she goes and she opens the doors and the king looks up and he sees her and he's angry, angry, angry. And she senses it. And she not only fainted once, but she fainted twice. And the, these, yeah. are, these are in these the are extra. In the yep. Wow. And so so it says she fainted twice and that the Lord softened his heart towards her because she fainted and that's when he like reached forth his scepter and so I thought that was really cool because we don't know that you know like just from our our biblical text mm-hmm. but then those old Hebrew texts and stuff do have those mentioned in it and right. and it's just like the Lord like had it all planned I mean like he has she fainted and and that's what softened his heart enough to reach a scepter out and go check on her. And then she basically had the right to live at that point. And she could announce her her plea. So I thought that yeah. was great. Because the Bible makes it seem like, oh, she just walked forth. And he was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, yep. here's my golden scepter. Yep. Hi, wifey. It's nice <laughs> to see you again. Yeah. It's like not not the yeah. case. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting. And, um, you know, it's... 
it just goes for her character so much because she had to choose over selfishness, over fear for her own life. And she literally put an entire people on the, you know, their, their lives in her hands. And that's a huge like calling to, you know, to just take forth and have all of that Mm. writing on you. And not just to go to him on some end, like, you know, just a one-on-one thing. It was in front Mm -hmm. of like the court. And so it was not only a violation of the law just to her husband, but just to the entire Persian culture. And, you know, these men were like, oh, my gosh, what, you know, this woman, who does she think she is? I mean, that was just, you know, their, their thought process. And so, I mean, obviously her fainting was in God's plan because if she hadn't, who knows what what would have happened so she faints and he he extends his golden scepter to her and he, he you know obviously you can tell from the from the biblical text that his heart was softened because he's like ask anything you want and i'll give it to you you know and i don't think um if your heart wasn't softened that you would do that and he said even up to half the kingdom i'm like dang that's that's insane and mm-hmm. i mean because it was a huge kingdom Mm -hmm. at this point and that's when she's like oh I want you to come to a banquet and she invited Haman Mm -hmm. as well and it was just the two and so they have this banquet and um you know he I love it Uh, Max Licato um who's a really really good Christian author um you know kind of put Xerxes in this light he says he was more of a drinker than a thinker Mm -hmm. like yep absolutely so she I'm I'm assuming that they drank a lot (laughs) You know, based on that, based on that, yeah. and um, then he was like, he asked again at the banquet, "What, what are you wanting from me? Anything you can have up to half the kingdom?" And she's like, "Oh, I want you to come back a second time." And I almost wonder if she got too scared at that specific point to tell him exactly what was going on there. Like, I wonder, you know, what what made her ask them to come back for a second night or a second banquet instead of just asking him that that night or i mean i have absolutely no reference for this but if he's that guy that you know is more of a drinker than a thinker but he also had a lot of ego mm-hmm. how much does he need to kind of be wine and dined not mm. a little bit not just him but Heyman. i mean i right. think Heyman had to come into the picture too because i absolutely. feel like she probably felt like she really needed to make him think that she was on his side too and that she just had all this adoration for him too because mm-hmm. he was the threat i mean Absolutely. more than anything yeah so i think you're, i think you're probably right on that mandy yeah and it's just i mean this is again it just I, I look at the parallels between between xerxes and then and then god i mean and the persian rule you know everything's permanent everything you do is permanent i mean like we are so grateful that the lord's not like that that we have mercy and grace mm-hmm. you know that that you know we know what we're supposed to abide by and Mm -hmm. the the rules that you know we're supposed to attend to and all of that stuff but if we break them it doesn't mean that we get a sword in the heart you know Mm -hmm. it means that if we ask that forgiveness that we have that grace and god isn't going to make a half drunken decision and make Mm -hmm. it law you know he whatever he puts into law he's not going to regret later it's always going to be for for everyone's better good Mm -hmm. and for for our our purpose yeah well you think being a king i mean i don't know i mean being in a position of 
that power, but you have to have all of your advisors around you. I mean, would you not, I don't know, would you, wouldn't you question yourself sometimes if you had to have advisors, you know, I just, right. I don't know. It just makes me feel like I would, I would just almost get to the point where I didn't trust my own self and, or that I got really lax in the fact that I didn't really have to make decisions. I can yeah. just, whatever sounds yeah. best, which is literally yeah. what he did from mm-hmm. the sense of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And um, I mean, that's a really good point, Mandy, that you said that maybe she kind of whined and dined them, dined them a little bit because I, it worked because later on in the text, we see that Haman is going home from the first night at the banquet and it says he is happy and in high spirits and he's just probably walking home, la-di-da, but then he, you know, passes by the the gate and he sees Mordecai and then he's all of a sudden just filled with rage because Mordecai isn't filled with complete fear when he sees mm-hmm. Haman and it made him really, really, really angry. So once again, mm-hmm. his his ego kind of got in the way. He's like, oh, he should be just shaking in fright and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm rolling my eyes so big right now. I wish you could hear it through the podcast microphone. But um, then he goes and he gets his wife and his friends just to be like, Queen Esther invited me to the banquet and it was only me and the king and look how amazing I am and I'm just so fabulous and so wealthy. And he was. He was very mm-hmm. wealthy. He very. was the one of the he was the highest court official. And he I think he just wanted his wife and his friends around just to kind of um stroke his ego a mm-hmm. little bit. But then they come up with this horrendous idea that's like, oh, you obviously don't like Mordecai that well. Mm-hmm. Build a really, really 75-foot-tall gallow and hang him on it the next day and ask the king for his permission to hang Mordecai on it. Yeah, like pierce him on it. Yeah, that's brutal. And Yeah. Yeah, and that's just the power of persuasion. I mean, if you even if you have, like, ill intentions, you know, all you need is mm-hmm. that extra nudging from, from bad people. I mean, the Bible says that bad company breeds bad character. Absolutely. And I think that that's just, you know something that he surrounded himself by was all that bad company and it just Mm -hmm. festered and and they just enabled him which is funny because that's what our next episode is on stay (laughs) tuned i love it um but um so i mean he does and i i i mean i'm pretty sure Haman was just wanting somebody to um agree with him on how amazing he was and um obviously his wife and his friends um I wonder if they knew of, like, Haman's, like, anger and evilness side of him that maybe they were just trying to calm him down because I wonder if they were afraid of him. Well, his wife is probably seeing that he was obsessed at this point with this type of stuff. And for her, she probably, potentially, I should say not probably, but potentially, mm-hmm. um, was like, oh, just get, you know, get, get over it over. Yeah. You know, let's just hurry up and do it tomorrow and then you can, like, be happy again. Um, or else she was just strictly evil as well. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that really kind of backfires on him because... The next thing that happens, we see, is that... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yep. It's it, lovely. Yeah. And so we we get back into the to the kingdom, and, and this is another Lord's favor um, on the Jews at this point, because the king can't sleep that night. And so he calls one of his... I, was it a eunuch that he called one of them, or somebody? He calls somebody to, to read... Um, in the movie, I think they portray it as Esther herself, but I, that's probably not not accurate. But, yeah. um, and she reads the 
the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, in the movie, she was like it, that was like one on her like one night with the king before they were married, and then but in the movie when he can't sleep, it was still a eunuch. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and so she. Yeah, so whoever's reading decides to read the scrolls, and a lot of times those scrolls are like military conquests or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but they they read and read and you know try to get them settled down, and then they come to the event where Mordecai years before um, spoiled the ass- assassination plot, and mm-hmm. he like shoots up and he's like, "Oh crap! I never did honor him." Yeah, and, I mean, he saved my life, yeah. and I, I wonder if that was the first time he heard about it possibly you know, I, I don't know I mean it, it's hard to it's hard to tell I, I, I don't know I, I'm, I I feel like Esther told him in the text but I can't remember right now but yeah or she it said in the text that she yeah she was she made it aware yeah you're right and then um but she she gave Mordecai the the, the props the props mm-hmm. for it but it's just funny how in one we have one scene where you know um, Mordecai's death is being plotted, and in the exact same moment, I wonder that his his um, reward is is being planned. And so then the next day, you know, the, they go to the king. They're like, "Oh, uh, Haman's out in the lobby." I don't know if it's the lobby, but I'm just saying, you know, Haman's out in the lobby. He Our wants to five star hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the king's like, "Great, I need to see him too." But so before Haman could even ask um, for you know Mordecai to be hanged, the king's like, "There's a man I would love to honor. Mm-hmm. What do you think you should do?" And Haman being the, the, the egotistical yeah. idiot that he is. I mean, I don't know if people you are going to get mad at me for saying it. Podcast. No. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he thinks that it's about him and so he's like, "You know what you should do to really honor this man? You should get one of the king's own robes that he has worn." And then you should get one of the king's own horses that he has ridden in public. And on the horse's head should be a crown. And you should parade him around the streets saying, this is the man in whom the king delights and wishes to honor. And this you should do. I mean, because Haman all thinks this is for him. Mm-hmm. And then I can just like, I, if I can just like see it like in a movie scene where the king's like, okay, cool. Do that for Mordecai. Mm-hmm. And I just hear that wee, 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 <laughs> like music in the background in Haman's ears because he's like... Well, that you, you've but, got... But, 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 but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, but I, I, I was actually just going to ask you if I could yeah. just murder this guy really fast. Yeah. I mean, it'll take like two minutes yeah. tops, you know? Yeah. And then I can ride on the horse. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to be hard for him because at this point, even though he has no respect for the king, obviously, yeah. because of all this, he still has to abide by this, this, you know, command that he go do these things for him. And mm-hmm. so I imagine he didn't sleep well that night. And um, yeah, poor Well, Haman was the one that had to... To, to take yeah, the horse around and he yep. was the one that had to say this is the yeah. man in whom the king delights <laughs> Haman himself had to do that I was like I, I mean when the when the Bible says the Lord says ben, you know leave vengeance up to me I mean the Lord did such a great job on that one I'm like well done <laughs> well you well know done. <laughs> we say all the time that God has a sense of humor I mean and I'm yes. sure that he was up there chuckling just a little bit about that whole situation yeah. but yeah so he had to he had to just parade him around and take him all through town you know but I always think about Mordecai like like how like I I just don't foresee that he was potentially I don't know man what do you think the, the type of man that would enjoy yes that's yeah there's a humility there that yeah. like oh great I get to ride on a horse yeah like don't with the crown <laughs> right I, I would rather just like you know you not kill my people that'd be yeah. great <laughs> right I mean, yeah. like let's just swap out the robes 
for like not a death sentence. Yeah, that would be that great. Would be awesome. Yeah. I don't really care about that. Yeah. Well, and then I mean, it seems like it would be spread out in the in the book. I mean, as I read it, it, it seems like it would be spread out. But literally that night was the second night of the mm-hmm. banquet. So this all happened within a twenty four hour period. Mm-hmm. And then you, we have the second night of the banquet where she once again wines and dines and you know pets mm-hmm. the egos or whatever. And then he's finally like, all right what do you want? And she's like, I want my life and I want my people's life. And she tells him about the edict and he's like, well, who on earth would do such a heinous thing? Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it's this evil dude, Haman, that's sitting right here. I wonder, I mean, if I was Haman, I probably would have soiled myself a little. Because, like, you know that, like, the king, you know, that because it says in the text, the king was furious and he storms away in Mm -hmm. anger. And then Haman is begging for his life, which I love that as a turn of events yeah. as well. And he, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, while this is happening, and he's like, okay, what do you want? And Haman's enjoying these mm-hmm. evenings, and then she starts talking. Do you think he's, like, slinking, slinking away? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is not what I signed up uh-huh. for, actually. So Where he's, like, giving um, the king the side yeah. eye, like, how yeah. pissed are <laughs> yeah. you getting yeah. right now? Wait a second. This is not going out. Well, he, his emotions, I mean, he, he's been dealing with all of this hatred, and then he comes off of a day of having to just completely, in his mind, humiliate himself mm-hmm, because right. he's having to, you know, um, pull, pull uh, Mordecai around all day and hail him as wonderful. So he's got that, and then he gets up there, and Esther starts telling about my people, and he's got all of a sudden this realization that, oh, crud, she's a Jew, mm-hmm. and so he's probably trying to process all that, and then the king gets up and storms away, and I think that he just completely lost his flipping mind, and <laughs> you see that in the text, because mm-hmm. as the king's away, he goes up to Esther, mm-hmm. and he starts basically like tugging at her gown and things like that and Mm -hmm. unfortunately king comes back and sees that well it says he falls on her on the couch that she's she's sitting sitting on on. and so who knows if that means that he's like threatening her or if he's begging or what he's doing but he's in way too close proximity to the queen Mm -hmm. Um, and the king comes in and sees that and he's like in my house you know, while I'm still here, while I am still here, you are, um, you are doing Assaulting this. The queen. Yep. Yeah. And so the immediate call for him to be, well, somebody, somebody snitches on him too in that moment. And they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. by the way, he just built the, you know, 75 foot gallow for, for Mordecai. And the King's like, perfect. Hang him on Hang it. him on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, I and just God's up seeing... there going slow clap. Just like, and you know, he's still clapping himself and he has like every right to do so. But um, I loved how the movie, The One Night with the King, did this scene. And I, it's not necessarily, it might not necessarily be exactly, but I actually thought that they did a pretty decent job in the movie, staying close to the book. But you know how like Hollywood movies do anything? They like stray from the book. I mean, Harry Potter movies we can get into. But anyways, we're not going to do that. But um, podcast. That's yeah. the next podcast. That's the next yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, but... But the thing also that I wondered about is it, it just said he stormed off in anger. And I wonder if Esther even thought like, mm-hmm. is he mad at me? Mm-hmm. Because she didn't tell, she didn't, she can, conce- she concealed that she was a Jew this whole time. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we think back to the first part that we talked about, Haman was like saying, oh, there's an entire people who hate you and they don't abide by your laws. And I wonder if the, if Esther was like, does she think that he thinks I'm one of the people that doesn't abide by his laws or whatever and she had to finally come come open about 
her being a, her and Mordecai being a Jew, and now she has to expose herself. The one thing that she wanted to to conceal it, and um, I don't know, maybe this is just like corny and cliche of me, but it kind of came to my head. Um, maybe the one thing that we try to hide about ourselves is exactly what God wants to use us to make an example out of. Oof. And. God will not put us in a position to make change and not give us the tools to get the job done. He won't leave us. But mm-hmm. the one thing she tried to hide was the one thing that could save her mm-hmm. in the end. And I would just like, I wonder like how many things do we hide about ourselves? That's the one thing God, God is trying to push change in us through and to others through. And that just goes back to what we were talking to. I think about in the previous um, episode is about, um, when you're in the spirit he nudges you and he gives you Mm -hmm. the discernment of when to speak and when to be quiet and I think that it tells us how faithful she was because she was listening to those nudgings mm-hmm. at least I feel because um, yeah. if, if not I mean yeah. who knows what would have happened. What happened I mean Mordecai said you know if you if you choose not to he says you know the del- the Jews will be delivered in some other way and I think that's a, also that points to Mordecai's faith mm-hmm. in God he goes yep. if you decide not to do this there's still going to be another way but I think this is why you were put here mm-hmm. and you know then after um, you know Haman is is hung um, you know, once because again, it does happen because it, because <laughs> it happens. Um, you know, Esther then goes to the king and says, "Please, please undo this." And of course, he can't undo mm-hmm. that law, but he made another one um, saying that you can um, fight back. And it said like he sent like all of his best horses out, like the fastest horses or whatever. And then um, the, it said like a lot of like meaning the Jews, could meaning fight the back. Jews could fight back. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then a lot of government officials and like other people who worked in the palace actually. Um, fought with the Jews because they feared Mordecai. And I think it's it's kind of like that same fear that it says to fear God. It's not to be afraid of, but it's just like that respect. Mm-hmm. Because once that all happened, Esther was actually um, promoted by the king to Haman's place. And then Esther actually said, nope, I'm going to give it to Mordecai. Mm-hmm. And then Mordecai then got the signet ring of the king. And so then Mordecai, a Jew, was promoted to the highest official in the kingdom. Um, and it was actually like a two, two-day battle. For some reason, I thought it was just one day, but it went on for two days. And I guess 70, like around 75,000 people were killed, but it said that the Jews did not take any of their belongings. Like they, they defended themselves um, if somebody came to attack them, but they didn't, they didn't take anything. They weren't you know thieves. They didn't do anything. They just protected themselves. And that's where we get Purim from, the, the Jewish the feast. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a great reminder that God will can take any situation even a decree that was permanent he still provided a way that the jews could prevail and and it was it's like you said it was it was a matter of respect and honor Mm -hmm. for them and i feel like that was almost a pleasing thing that they could fight you know Mm -hmm. like i don't think that they i think they had been subjected to so much just bottom class mm-hmm. not worthy not anything but in the back of their mind knowing that they were yeah. God's people and it's just been sitting there and you know they've you know and and they know their history they know that time and time again when they rise up and they call on the Lord that he delivers them but mm-hmm. when they 
turn against his ways, that's when he allows them to be conquered. And it just is a, it's the cycle that we see all throughout the Old Testament um, until, you know, even as they enter into Canaan. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, I think it was just a really great decision that they could stand up and fight for themselves. Absolutely. And like, um, I mean, I, I obviously I've never faced death or destruction, but a lot of times, you know, it's kind of easy to kind of go on with daily life. And then all of a sudden you have like this huge wall or huge battle or whatever that you're facing. And then, you know, you're just like, Lord, 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 just please help me. Please, please deliver me from that. And it's just, you know, listening to the Lord and having faith that if he's going to take you into a hard season, he's not just going to put you in front of it and be like, all right, good luck. He's going to be holding our hands and walking us through it. And he's going to be telling us what to do every step of the way. He's never going to put us in front of something that we won't have the tools to do, but we can't do it without him. Mm -hmm. Esther could not have done this if she did not have a heart for the Lord, if she did not listen to those little nudging, because obviously she was a woman of God and she did know because, I mean, she listened and she had the courage and she must have had faith that that God would deliver her and her people. But, you know, without God, she would not have been able, I don't think, to because we're nothing without God. Right. Right, absolutely not. So it's, yeah, it's just a good ending to a story that couldn't go bad. But I mean, it's, it's something that was absolutely planned out by the Lord. You know, we always know that regardless of what happens, the Jews are um, in a position, even, you know, we know through revelation that, that, you know, it's, they, they will survive, they will prevail, they will overcome Mm -hmm. everything. And so it's just a good Testament that even though you look back at that and say, they absolutely had no chance. I mean, like the odds of them surviving that situation and the way that the Lord just always comes through in the way that you would least expect it. Um, through the least expected people. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Esther was a, like we said last time, she was an orphan. She was a Jew. She was a woman. Everything was working against her. But God takes the lowly to do glorious things for him. Mm-hmm. So I think she's just a good a good example to, um, to those just to stand by your faith, even when you're the only one. I mean, she was literally, you know, the only one standing at that point mm-hmm. um, against so much. And she chose to take that lonely walk and to be the only one and to have that courage and that strength I mean she's really a true hero in my opinion she's I mean she's so I mean we we think of her as courageous but I think we also see a lot of strength in her meekness and when I say meekness I'm not meaning weakness Mm -hmm. um you know she had that gentle spirit um you know I mean if she had all the confidence in the world she wouldn't have fainted twice Mm -hmm. but you know, she had, she had meekness and she had that gentle spirit that, you know, God calls us to. And in doing that, that takes an intense amount of courage. Yeah. And she's just, I mean, she's fabulous. She is the queen. Yeah. Sorry, Beyonce. Esther, <laughs> Esther wins. Hadassah yeah. wins. Hadassah wins. All right. Well, I think that that's um, a good spot because we, that's the end of the story. So um, we appreciate you so much for listening in to this two part. And we're excited to share with you what we have coming up next week. So um, if you have any comments, any questions, anything for us, you can email us at igstrust at gmail.com or 
You can find us on Instagram at in.god.she.trusts or at in.godshetrusts, the the Facebook page. So keep walking in faith, ladies. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.